Hey everyone, happy hump day. Welcome back to the MCP. I'm your host, Rick Alexander. A couple of housekeeping notes before I get into today's show. Uh, the first one is I've got a course coming up called The Modern Man's Call where we're going to explore the evolution of masculine psychology all the way from boy, unindividuated man, all the way up to divine masculine. And what does that mean? How do we show up in that place? How do we show up as a stable masculine presence in the world today? That's what we're going to explore. We're gonna explore what it means to answer our own calls to adventure and to live the life that we were put on earth to live. And then I've also got a workshop coming up on May 6th called Out of Darkness. And one of today's guests will be teaching that workshop with me, Angelo Cisco. And this is really designed to help people work through these periods of darkness. You know, we all end up in these situations in life where we are beholden to internal narratives that aren't serving us. We get stuck in cycles of self-sabotage. We engage in behavior that we by our own definition don't approve of and when we start to pattern that in our lives it can be really hard to go back to showing up for ourselves for our loved ones for our family and so if you're interested in that i'm going to link both of those up in the show notes of this episode this is an episode that i've wanted to do for a really long time i, I have this idea of offering these mcp roundtable discussions where we get a panel of experts and just break down a topic that I think is important. Today's roundtable is exploring the modern man's struggle, what it means to exist as a man in the world today, and where we tend to struggle, and also what are the challenges, opportunities, and ways in which we can contribute to not just our lives, not just our family's lives, but to society, culture, the world in general. This turned into such a fruitful conversation, so I'm really honored to have all three of these guests here. Uh, without further ado, enjoy the first MCP Roundtable discussion. So I've got three other people on the show today, and so I'm gonna go around and actually have them introduce themselves. Longtime MCP listeners will uh, know these people, but please, uh, we'll start with you, Jessica. Hey everybody, Jessica here. So I am a, I guess you would call me a shadow work educator. I go through different religions, different bits of history, different types of spiritual practices to find out what has been repl replicated throughout the years and across many different cultural systems. And I like to put these systems together and that's sort of how I um, find out if something is really like meaningful for me to share on my podcast. So I'm also a podcaster and the show is called Shadow Work Library. And um, yeah, I've known these three guys that I'm here in this Zoom room with for a very long time. And I just feel really, really excited and a little nervous, honestly, to, to tackle this topic because it's a big one. It's really important to me. And uh, oh, I'm just looking forward to seeing where this is going. Yeah, me too. And I think it's touchy too, right? Like that's the other part of this that like, I think everybody always brings their own ideas to any kind of conversation like this. And because of the state of the world in the last couple of years, people have really strong opinions about the role or lack thereof of men. So I really appreciate you being here and being willing to take the chance. 
Thanks for having me. All right, Marcus, let's, uh, let's move over to you. Hello, everyone. Marcus Gersey here with Alpha Hippie. And uh, we work with men who are looking to go pro, level up in life in every area that is important to them. So whether it's your career, your relationships, your personal happiness and satisfaction, we help you pull you out of the funks and limitations that keep you from shining at your brightest. And we help shift you into that offensive mode so you can go kick some ass without being emotionally stunted along the way. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's uh, just super important work today. Uh, Angelo. My name is Angelo Cisco. I am Marcus's business partner with Alpha Hippie, so you know what Alpha Hippie does. I, um, my responsibilities with Alpha Hippie is I am a podcaster, a guide, and uh, a truth seeker. And uh, I do my best to steward anyone, especially our men in our programs, to live in their most divine states. Just like Marcus said. And so, and I'm grateful to be here with all three of you today, my very good friends. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. All right. So, Angelo, I'm actually going to start with you. And I want to start with, I want to start at the level of the individual. So for for the modern man, for the, for the yeah, I, I'm going to keep using that term, I think, just to make sense of where we're at in the world right now. But how is it? Or what do you think the role is of the modern man on an individual level? Like, what is the responsibility that a man has to themselves? Great. This is my favorite out of all the things that we're talking about. I also want to preface it that for me, it starts with this. And anything else that we go to on a higher level really begins with what we're about to do. I'm so glad that you decided to go with the individual because it's the culmination of what we do as individuals that will actually make a movement to begin with. And so duty and responsibility for the modern man or 21st century man is absolutely the most complex because at this time I really imagine that we are the most aware we are have ever been and also too there is a very interesting time in our lives where we are no longer interested in putting off the, the the big three the triad for most men or the 20th century man which was I want to make an income I want to I want to have a lifestyle and then I want to contribute. It was usually three different segments of your life. And what makes our life real crazy is we think we should have them all right now. And that's great. And that's what we're navigating for in this real time. And what I feel is really important for 21st century men is to realize that if you take care of you and you show up with you as the best way, that is the most important thing to focus on and for me right now on april 27th i believe that a man should be stable open and really know who he is and to me the the best uh analogy or image i could give of that is a lighthouse it is stable through all storms doesn't reach out and chase anybody that's not reaching towards it. It's not mad at anyone or has a certain feeling about anything or anyone. It's just a bright light 
that's ready for you to come home and support you when you're ready. No matter what's going on, and especially no matter what they may be feeling. Mm. And if a man could do that within himself, stabilize himself like the lighthouse, and be open and know who he is, and he could do that for others, everything else, in my opinion, really branches off that yet stemming from that is multiple things that go out throughout our days and take us away from there and self-limiting beliefs and stuff like that. But if you had to guess me today, what I thought would be ideal, it would be stable, open, and a really good sense of self-esteem of who they really are. And a lighthouse is my favorite analogy to, to give. Yeah, I like that. I like it because uh, you think of a lighthouse being built on on rock, you know, on something real solid and, and unmovable, regardless of the storm, so to speak. Um, is it, I'm curious, is, is there anything that anybody would like to add to that? And I, I want to keep that invitation open just when anybody speaks, please like just pipe up and. I think that was beautifully said, Ange. Okay, cool. So, so, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that like your relationship to self does really end up becoming your, you know, your relationship to the world ends up mirroring your relationship to self. So if you're, if you're unstable on an individual level, then it becomes really hard for you to play that role of stability anywhere else in the world. Right. No doubt about it. Um, now at the same time, Jess, I'd love to actually hear a bit of what you think about this, but at the same time, you know, we have this individualistic culture and I was reading a stat yesterday, one in three men uh, have somebody to talk to. We have a loneliness epidemic, I think right now in the world that we've never experienced before. And I'm wondering like how it is that, you know, in some sense, it's like we have all of this pressure to succeed as individuals and it seems to me that on some level, it's, it's, uh, it's making us more lonely. Do you guys agree or disagree? Jessica, we'll start with you. And Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this the other day as you had sent us a few questions to think about and contemplate before we hopped on this. What is the modern man struggling with? And I feel like it's this sense of, of insignificance that came to mind. And how can one person feel more significant, you know, whether that's on a shallow level or a really deep soul level. And I think it comes down to, will we ever feel truly fulfilled or like we have purpose or like our life's work matters if we're not helping other people. And Angela, I'm so glad that you had brought up that, that trio there of income, lifestyle and contribution, because I think contribution is the one that we reserve for last. Like once I have the lifestyle, then I can give back. Once I have lots of money and lots of time, then I can be a philanthropist, you know? Um, you know, income and lifestyle are like step one and step two. But how much of our time and our energy do we put into those two buckets where that little, <laughs> that little bucket of one day contribution is just hanging out on the shelf somewhere. And that's the one that I think if you started there, the other two come much easier. So I think when you focus on those other two buckets of income and lifestyle alone, that can give you that sense of loneliness because it lacks some purpose or some depth to it. 
another thing that came to mind with with that question what angela was just saying was that we need to accept our feelings and accept the states of where we're at and be stable so it brings to mind this the word struggle you know um, i think a lot of men struggle with the feeling of struggling um so at a physical level there's like struggle in the developing world that's not really what we're talking about here i think we're talking more about you know western humans western men um i think they struggle with emotional struggle you know learning what it means to love people and to lose people and to love or lose yourself and then we have mental struggle and that's like about just about everything in life is this mental struggle and then when it comes to spirituality well, gosh, if you have your mind going a little bit too much, it creates this block to feeling God, to feeling the universe, to feeling like you're connected to everything. And I think behind all of that, the dilemma of struggle is the habits that we create in life. So we get so used to struggling that our, that it becomes our daily norm, right? It Like we start with this to-do list of all these things that we need to do every day. And then at the end of the day, whether you accomplish all these things or not, the important thing is like, was this day lacking or was it meaningful? Was there something memorable about it? And because we're so trapped by our habits, it's like, I think the majority of Western men are just not doing what they want to do, what, what they should love doing. I think that's like become the norm. It's like, you just do what you need to do to get that income, to hopefully get the lifestyle one day, to hopefully be able to contribute at some point. And so I think like breaking that habit is, it requires other people to like close a loop on what you would ask. Like, I think it requires joining a tribe of other humans that you can express your struggle to because struggle or perseverance, that creates growth. You know, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm preaching the choir here <laughs> in a room full of men who've definitely taken leaps to do what your soul is telling you you need to do um but it's like it requires struggle you you never elevate struggle you get out of suffering but the struggle is always there and that can either push you and polish you or that can break you when i feel like your focus when you don't have a focus when your struggle is quite kind of fuzzy and everywhere you know it's like in your relationships it's in your job it's da 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 you haven't quite figured out what what it is you're here to do and like laser focus that struggle in the one, a few things that, yeah, require other people. So, so, so many uh, amazing nuggets from that, um, that talk right there. Thank you for coming to this TED talk. Um, you know, it's funny that thing, <laughs> the idea of a frivolous struggle, I found really unwraps people. Like, you know, if we're struggling in, you know, towards something meaningful. It's like, there's nothing, at least in my my life, like I, I'm thinking of going through selection and some of the more tangible struggles I can think of. And, and if, if I'm going toward a goal that's like intrinsically calling me, there's no, there's nothing I won't bear. Like there's no amount of pain, like I'm just here for it. But the amount, the, the moment that it becomes frivolous, the moment that I don't connect the meaning is the moment that it starts to unravel. I remember when one of my buddies died in Iraq and I, I started to question the war and then it's like, oh, here it goes. And now it's going to unwind, right? Because now all of a sudden I'm adding a bit of this 
I don't know if frivolity is a word, but this, this idea that it, like, maybe it doesn't matter. And then it's like, oh, okay, now, now it's suffering. Now it's like true suffering. Um, something else you mentioned there that I think is just really worth, uh, talking about. So I want to kick it over to Marcus for this. Um, this idea that we can habitualize struggle, we can become sort of, uh, almost addicted to like a, a poor mental state is, is almost what it sounds like. And I'm wondering with your work with men and some of the work that you do, have you seen that? Is that a common, is that something people struggle with? Yeah, absolutely. I think the what we're seeing here, if we zoom out a little bit is so many men are externally focused. We've been taught to look outside of ourselves for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for happiness. When in reality, that's an inside job. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make that a priority, or if you're not shown how to do that, either you're taught this as a boy, or at some point as a man, or you surround yourself with people who are this way, you don't really know anything different because that's what we're socialized to, to be in all reality. So I think it's a, it's a huge challenge. And I, I want to kind of dovetail off of what Jessica said about the tribe piece. You know, there are far fewer role models of, of stable men out there these days. And so you either got lucky because your, your father or an uncle or someone very close to you was that example for you, or you, you know, you had a great coach, maybe in, in sports as a, as a younger boy or something, it, you had someone around you, but I know how few and far between these men are, especially now, let alone when we were, when we were growing up and it's really, really challenging when everything that you are told or sold really is about external. You seek it all through the external and not through the internal and not taught or shown how. So of course we have a bunch of people running around lost and dealing with this never ending unhappiness and fuzziness as Jessica described it of, I, I can't quite put my finger on any of it because they don't have that, 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 um, that anchor, that understanding to work from. Isn't it interesting, you know, like you're talking about tribe and in this context, you know, if your tribe has habitualized looking externally, they're also going to push you to do that, even if they're un unhappy or unsatisfied. Um, and so finding a, a tribe that's, man, this idea of satisfaction being an inside job, so well said. Like I, I'm thinking about the amount of tribes, like the, the places that men can go these days and how many of them are going to push them to look externally for this happiness, for the satisfaction. And, and that exactly, that is one of the most common things that we hear is that it's been so normalized that that's how it is, that when we tell them otherwise, they're, they're baffled. They're like, it can't be true because everyone around me says otherwise. And so then the question is, but are they happy? Mm. Are they living their best life? And the answer so far across the board is no. Not really. Right, right. And why, why are you using them as the example? Yeah, that's, that's a question that I think that really for anybody listening that, to this is like, that's, that's something to really reconcile with yourself. Like, are you on a bus? Is the person driving the bus that you're on not going somewhere that you're interested in going? I think that that's, 
intensely important to just contemplate and to reckon with. And then that becomes difficult because the idea of stepping outside of a tribe and finding another one, um, that can be hell. That can be hell for people. For sure. The, th the first thing that Jessica mentioned, I'm so glad that you gave us that long talk just because it like gave me so many things to, to pull out. Um, it's great. The first thing you mentioned was this idea of feeling insignificant. So I'm curious, I'd love to actually hear from all of you. I'll start with Angelo. How does significance happen? How does that subjective sense of significance happen specifically for people that are feeling a bit detached from that in their life? I'm going to preface, preface the rest of this show is I am really in my masculine today. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Just letting everyone know where I'm coming from today. Okay. Um, significance, purpose. It's something that you create because you know that you're going to die. So... What's your purpose? Whatever you want it to be. And it's okay if your purpose changes tomorrow. So just pick something and get to work. That's certainly a masculine answer. Yeah. But you, you, you know what I mean? Just so much time is spent thinking when we look at our ancestors or even indigenous cultures, if a man sat around all day in indigenous cultures, even today, there would be no dinner because their job is to actually get to the ranch and take, tend to the animals, even if you don't want to go back to like hunting, right? And there's, there's something about just going out there and doing it and being okay with saying, I fucked up and I'm choosing something different tomorrow. And if anyone doesn't think that that's okay, you didn't matter anyway. Mm. And, and I, I encourage all men, like I, I had a conversation earlier. You ever heard the saying, uh, fuck you money? Mm -hmm. It's not about the money. It's a mentality on life. And if, to me, you want to be in your masculine, do it, do what you do from a fuck you that you know that you could choose this today and there's no other daddy in your life. You could choose something else tomorrow and you're the only one that could beat yourself over the head for it. You're the only person you give permission to beat yourself over the head for it. So then that way you could stop it. That's all I, I, I really wish for, for men that are in this, stage of struggle or non-action is get to work and figure and, and get some context. And then we'll, you'll be able to figure a lot more out. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of like creating momentum, I think that's a mat that that's an inherently masculine. If we're talking energy, that's an inherently masculine dynamic. Right. Um, okay. Awesome. I'm going to put a pin in that and I want to come back to it after we kind of get around the table here and we'll move on to Marcus. Like how does significance happen? 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree much with what, what Angelo had to say. I just want to add a bit to this in that, you know, I think that significance is made up. I think it's completely made up by you. And if you, again, are focusing on an external significance, good luck. You're chasing a dragon you're never going to catch. Yet, if you create the significance for yourself and what you do every day, because it matters, you're onto that. And I don't really think that there's much more to it than that. I think this whole big chasing of this grandiose purpose and this mission, I, I understand the sentiment of it, but to me, that feels like fairy tale. I think that the real life application is you getting after it every day. It's a moving target and it's you being able to inspire yourself to go make shit happen, even when it sucks. And that's where the significance comes from is that it sucks today. And I feel like just staying in bed, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to go fuck shit up anyway. And now I'm significant. I feel significant mm -hmm. because I conquered my day. So, so it's something that you, you generate internally for yourself in your estimation. 100%. I think it's nice when people compliment you and recognize what you're doing. That's cool. That's a nice to have, but that's not the real significance. The significance is internally determined. Mm. Jessica. So juicy. I, I want to preface too. I don't, if you guys disagree with each other, like, please let's uh, disagree. Yeah. I'm ready to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Okay. So I really do agree. I wish I had something to disagree about, but I'm going to add on. Um, one of the things that Marcus had talked about here is this idea of external validation. And there's so much in our culture and our media and the way that we've brought, been brought up as kids of the eighties and, and the nineties, you know, that, I feel like I'm gonna use a weird word here, but I feel like a lot of men have this very trickly, subtle PTSD from years and years and years of being told you need to be a millionaire and all these things, right? I don't need to go through all of it. It's that made up thing that Marcus was talking about. And I think that the way that a lot of people will deal with PTSD and don't think of it as much as a, um, a diagnosis, but just somewhere to anchor ourselves in. Um, there are people who will have a very visceral reaction to that, that life of experiences that they're trying to undo. Like what really matters to me right now, despite all the things that I've been taught that really matter. And then, but then a lot of people will have a, like a dance with their own mortality which is what the fuck am I here to do with my life? And I think that that is a fantasy. It's like that there is something that you're here to, um, like once you do it, you won't feel that struggle anymore. You won't feel that suffering anymore. I do think, and I don't think I'm disagreeing with Marcus here, but I, I'm gonna reframe a few things or like maybe refine it. Um, that there's a difference between life's work and your purpose. And sometimes I use these words interchangeably, but a lot of people are looking, are looking for what their purpose is. And I think that your purpose and what we teach at the SFE or not teach, but like have sort of rooted ourselves in. So your purpose is to be the very best version of yourself, to do that internal work, to work out, you know, to eat well, to take care of your family and, and like to love yourself and all these things. But then your life's work is where your purpose, like 
that inner work that you've done for yourself, where that meets the outside world. So that can be your job. That can be even less about what you do for a career and more about the essence of what you do. You know, so if you're a, um, like a, a landscaper, community may be very important to you personally. So you create more areas for people to, to congregate and you really like try to get people to create more places for communication to happen, things like that. So your life work doesn't mean you need to be a life coach. It could just mean that when you are out in the world, the essence of what you do has meaning to it. Um, and so kind of forgot where I was going with that. So I'm just gonna leave it there. I love that distinction between life's work and purpose. Uh, Angela? Agreed. What I love uh, how I look at it too, Justin, please, if this is where you feel aligned is, your purpose is to take care of yourself. Your life's work is how you express, is your expression. It's your inner artist of how that gets transmuted. Right. The, the, the first one is more of an inside thing. And then your life's work is just how you were able to express it. Michael Jordan did it with a basketball. Tom Brady does it with a football. Pavarotti does it with his voice. Like, to me, that's the, the, the life. Are you with me, Jess? Yeah, because that- if Michael Jordan lost one of his legs, he still has purpose because you can work on yourself despite how you go out into the world. And I think that when we talk about insignificance, purposelessness is a word that can be interchanged there. What's Mm -hmm. my purpose? What am I even here to do? You're here to work on yourself. And just by doing that, that will make a trickle effect like nothing you can do in your life's work probably will. But then your life's work is a bonus, right? So if your life's work is a basketball player um, that create that inspires and motivates young, young people to do this or that or whatever, if you lose your job, you still have purpose, you know, and I think that that's why that distinction really matters because no matter what you mean something just by existing. Um, but I think it's like when we lose appreciation for our own existence and we focus too much on our life's work, then that's where things can get funky. So is it fair to say that most people are probably mixing up this idea of purpose in life's work? Anybody? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm like thinking about it in terms of, you know, almost every guy that I coach or work with, it seems like there's always a there that they have to get to. There's always a there there, you know, and and they never get there. There is no there there. So there, it's like this thing that's always out in front of you. And um, I do like this distinction, but I'm wondering how difficult it is to find purpose in being your best self or um, what that, what that even means. So I'd love to go there with this since we're still at this individual level. Um, and, and we're defining purpose as becoming the best version of yourself, which is, uh, I think noble and also probably said way too much on Instagram. And so what does that mean tangibly for people? And I'd love to, we'll start with you, Angela. All right. So I'll take a crack at this purpose is the practice and preparation of you so that you are able to step into your life's work. It's human doing to be of purpose. It's human being to be of life's work. You have to do purpose. 
you have to do things, you have to prepare, you have to breathe, you have to study, you have to acquire skills, you have to remove self-doubt, you have to have a mindfulness practice, yada, yada, yada. And then, once then those things are in order, you will start finding more ways that you want to express yourself. Then your purpose becomes even more preparation for then when you find that perfect place of life's work. So Michael Jordan found it with a basketball, and then all of a sudden, his purpose was to be the best basketball player. That's how I'm, I'm putting this together today. So it's like an organic unfolding, right? Yeah. Sounds like. Marcus? Can you restate the question? Yeah, like what you know, if if your purpose in life is to become the absolute best version of yourself, and people are like, "Well, that's great," and you go on Instagram, and there's a million people telling you how to accomplish that. I'm just curious, in 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 your eyes, like what is um, how does someone begin doing that? What's the yeah? What's the first step there? Well, I think the first step is to stop BSing yourself about, about what's going on for you. Because I think so many of us, and this was myself included for the majority of my life, was in complete and total denial of what I was actually unhappy with. And until you are able to be completely honest with yourself, you're not even at the starting line yet. You're still, you're still walking into this, into the arena, you know, and mm -hmm you by first having that that just ruthless honesty with yourself it, it gives you the foundation of honesty to begin actually embarking on this journey because without it it's all smoke and mirrors it's none of it's going to stick and i think that's why so many people struggle to find their purpose and struggle to find their life's work is because they have not they are still in this in this days of denial and therefore nothing can stick yet if you first strip away all the bullshit that you've been selling yourself about how ah, everything's fine and like oh that's just how it is and it'll get better with time and like oh this is just what it's like to be a man or to be a husband or a dad all that is bullshit and as long as you keep buying into it you never have a chance to get anywhere yet face it and embrace it and now you have the opportunity to actually make progress. Honesty is the foundation. If you can't be honest with yourself, good luck. Totally. You know, I'm wondering just something that came to mind as you were saying that. I'm wondering how much this external picture of what we're supposed to be as men is actually influencing us and keeping us in delusion. Like it's like we're wanting to maintain that picture for the world and for ourselves. We can't face not fucking holding it together in that way. 10,000%. It is, it is the root of it, mm. right? It is what we are shown in, on TV, in, in music, in society, in school, everywhere it is this kind of, I mean, smoke and mirrors of what it is to be a success or what it means to be um, happy or what it means to be, you know, winning at life and whatever example you want to pull from. 
it's all this concoction based on, I, I believe it's based on the consumerism model that we live in because everything is about selling something. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it's we've, everything has been turned into something to sell you something. And I think that if you look that, look at that lens, you can follow any of these, these images of success or happiness or whatever back to something that someone is selling. Totally. Uh, I was listening to a Ram Dass lecture one time and he was saying, he's like, you know, the more people think that you're somebody, the more they're going to look into your eyes to see if they're somebody too. And it's, uh, it's interesting because it's like behind the mask, behind the delusion, we're still that scared kid. That's like, have I made it yet? Am I there yet? Uh, maybe this person can validate me. Um, man, that's so well said. I really appreciate that. And it really helps tie this in this theme together of really internally validating self rather than that external picture. Because um, if it's just you, you can kind of face the mess. You know, it's when you've got to have it all put together for everybody else that the pressure to to be what you're not, I think probably arises in people. Um, yeah, so well said. Jess? So, man, <laughs> I love this conversation so much. Um, when Marcus is talking about like how we've been trained to be consumers, to be, to be takers of more than what we need, and we put ourselves under so much stress, we have been trained. And I don't, I don't think that there is a, a master plan necessarily that is pulling the strings of this training. I think it's just all of us are co-creating this world that it's looked like this more or less. And in working with a lot of vets and first responders now, we're finding that just through conversation, they're, they're feeling most of their depression and, and symptoms of like bipolar and PTSD, not from actually going to combat, um, which absolutely is the case in a lot of instances, but a lot of these men get it from these training scars, from being trained to be a certain way. And then once you're out, the world is different and you don't need to be that certain way. So I think that for a lot of men, they've been trained just through media and the way that they've been brought up and told, you know, what's important to get a good job and yada, yada, yada. And then you hit this point or you crest this mountaintop or whatever analogy, you know, the veil has been lifted. And then you're like, oh, I don't need to be this way. This is not the way that I want to be. But all my training has left me with all these scars that I don't really know what to do with. Um, Another thing that Marcus had brought up that I felt was really so important. And I feel like if anybody's listening to this should be the big thing that you take home with you and that should feel most alive is this idea of being really honest with yourself. But it's difficult to be honest with yourself if you are in that habitual hamster wheel of everyday mental, 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 you know, emotional struggle, all these things. And so if I could add on to that, then um, try to take some pauses because speed, the speed of your mind and the speed of your day kills feeling. And if you're not letting yourself feel, you're not going to know what is fucking you up. You know, you're not going to know where your shadows lie. And I think that honesty and pauses, cultivating those pauses in your day where you just stop and you're like, okay, how am I feeling right now? What's going on? Having that awareness seems like the foundation of the, of the lighthouse. And 
I actually wanted to ask you this earlier on, but we, we just kept rolling. If I could pass this off to Andrew Marcus, um, how would you define stability for a man that is very sensitive and has lots of feelings and lots of emotions? And perhaps he has been living in his wounded masculine or woman, wounded feminine and his wife has needed to be like the one to hold him, which is fine, of course, and needed in any relationship. But I would love to know from that other perspective, the sensitivity um, and how that works in with stability. You nailed that segue for me as we move into relationship. Uh, that's perfect. That's why it's fun to be on um, an interview with other podcasters. We're good yeah, that stuff. It is great. <laughs> Angela, let's start with you. Stability. as I define it, is the ability to withstand and to do it in such a way that you have grace, that you are accepting of the blow. You are not mad at the blow. You are fully accepting your responsibility and your place in, in, in the blow. And so it's a combination of withstanding with grace or full acceptance. That I really, that's my anchor for, for stability. Yeah, acceptance is, um, man, one, two things that came to mind. Like one, it helps deal with a bit of that rigidity that happens in the wounded masculine. Uh, that's that like you can't change me mentality or something like that like shows up in a bunch of ways um and then yeah there's a this idea too that i'm just thinking about what it means to sort of unconditionally accept your life and how what that looks like you know it's so easy to fight everything um and when you're in that place you're reactive and it's like almost the opposite of stability so i think that's really well said um, and I think that that acceptance is a practice and we have the out of darkness workshop coming up. And that's, that's a huge part of that workshop is like really understanding the role of acceptance. So that's really well said. Uh, Marcus. I'm going to second that. I think acceptance is the key. I think it is knowing your role within your ecosystem and then being able to stay in that, in that state of acceptance, despite the chaos around you, right? Because you're going to have the energy shifting around you. You're going to have everything possible, especially if we're using the example of, let's say a family where you've got all sorts of different versions of energy coming at you at all different times or at the same time for that matter. Hmm. And, and your ability to maintain that, that even keel position when the feminine energy starts to spike around you and you being able to remain as that that calm anchor in the environment is is how it is the image I have for it. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, that yeah. So I'll just echo that same thing. That idea of acceptance. There's a word that isn't used much anymore. The word is nobility. We don't um, we don't tend to think that like we don't aspire to nobility in the modern age, which is interesting. Um, but I was doing a word study on nobility and. I, I somehow got to the periodic table of elements and I learned that the uh, noble gases are the gases that are the least reactive. 
And I thought, man, that's really something to think about in your life and how hard it is to be that stable masculine when you're reactive. And that again is the opposite of acceptance. Jess, I'm curious, you know, being in a relationship with somebody, I don't know if you have examples of this in your life, but like being in a relationship with somebody that has a trouble, has difficulty being that stability, like how does it affect that relationship from your point of view? Well, I'd, I'd first like to touch on this idea of reactivity. Okay. And how there's another side of it when you're vibing low and that's being repressive. Mm. And, and I think that being reactive gets a bad rap because it's so external. Um, but re being repressive can create all kinds of health issues and it'll blow up eventually. So this stability that we're talking about doesn't go from angry and outward to just suck it up. And when your wife's freaking out, you know, like, yeah, essentially just suck it up and, and cry under your pillow at night or, you know, be really pissed off at your kids later. There, there is a difference. And I think that repressive people get um, this little gold star for being good because they are able to repress these emotions that can hurt people. So well um, said. Like, yeah, when, when I sat with ayahuasca earlier this year, sort of going off, off topic a bit. I saw my repression so physically in front of me because I'm more of a repressive person that like spirit was telling me, you, you can't stuff this stuff down. It will kill you and people can see it. You know, you're not, you're not hiding this from anybody. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, now you'd mentioned like being in a relationship with somebody who is reactive or like emotional could you clarify that really quick because I, I want to answer that yeah so let's let's start let's rewind a little bit and let's just start about the modern man's role in a relationship as you see it mm, yeah that's good okay so a couple words come to mind i don't know who said this it's i want to say no i'm not gonna inaccurately quote anybody but um provide reside and preside <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> provide, reside, and protect. There we go. I think those three really do for a woman like, encapsulate what, what we want from our partners. You know, like if we're sailing across the ocean and it's just you and me, what do I want from you? I want protection. And that doesn't mean that I am incapable of protecting myself, but I just like want that, you know? And um, if something if something goes wrong, I want to know that we'll, everything is figure outable. You know, I think that in a, in a nutshell, I want to know that the partner that I'm with will figure it out with me and can help me with this North Star because I feel like my role in the relationship is to is to nurture, to provide creativity, to um, be an inspiration for more play. But when I'm in my masculine and I'm like, I need to protect, I need to provide, I need to preside. That's when I feel that the relationship can get um, funny, you know, because it, a relationship needs polarity. So if you're a man and you're in a relationship with a woman who um, is very career motivated, 
I mean, like I'm very career motivated, Rick, you're with a woman who's also very career motivated. I think it can get complicated because sometimes I get like way up in that masculine shit, you know? And then sometimes Jeff and I butt heads. And when my energy is so strong, um, and mind you, I don't want to be like that. I'm working more towards like not having so needing so much control uh, because that's the way I was trained. I was trained always make enough money. So just in case you'll be okay, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> which was good advice. But, uh, you know, as a kid, you take it weird in weird ways. Um, sometimes Jeff can get into his feminine in a, in a way that is subconscious and he doesn't want to be there. And it, it, it takes a couple of, of fights before we're like, oh, it, what's happening? Like, mm -hmm. let's recalibrate here. And um, those times between, you know, being too far on one side of the spectrum or the other to where we figure it out is getting a lot shorter. But I think that would be important for me to bring up here because it's like one of the things in our relationship that is brought up a lot is like, you know, sometimes we swing right or left a little bit too far and there's a lot of emotion that's caught up in that. And so like, I feel like there are, there are compromises um, in human design, there are things called compromise channels, which is like when you and I are both good at something, one of us needs to be like, like, is there such thing as balance? You know, there needs to be a CFO. There needs to be a CEO. There, there's a reason why some of these hierarchies exist is because when everything is so flat, things get complicated. Yeah. You know, something you brought up there is that it seems to me that we live in such a masculine driven world that even the like the advice we give everyone is just be overly masculine in order to succeed. And it, I think that there's a decent amount of dudes out there that like it triggers them to go into their feminine in a way that they don't know. They end up swimming in a bit of chaos, I think. Um, and it's all, as you mentioned, on this sort of subconscious level. And these are like energy dynamics in within the relationship, right? And so you can challenge me on this if you want, but it, it just seems to me that like, even aside from the job that you do, like feeling protected, that's an energy that like your partner gives you, right? That's a masculine energy, regardless of like kind of gender roles or anything. Yeah. And, and coming back to purpose and like working on yourself, these issues only come up when like one of us starts to not take care of ourselves. And then, then we have to do the long work of undoing a lot of the, the knots that have been created in being too laser focused on, on achievement or something like that, you know? And so I just say achievement because in my relationship, that is our thing. Sometimes we compete in achievement. <laughs> I don't uh. know if every relationship's like that, but yeah. And so um, it is an energy dynamic, you know? I, I have my own coach who like, I'll go to him and be like, you know, Jeff is just so insensitive, blah, 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 <laughs> you know? And he's like, but what about you? And obviously as a shadow work person, I'm like, yeah, I know what about me, but it's never easy to be like, yeah, you're right. It is 100 million percent me. And it's a dance of energy. You know, if I show up too masculine, he, his femininity or wounded feminine or wounded masculine goes up or down. If he is too masculine, my da 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 happens. You know, it's, it's such a marriage and relationships are so, 
don't even know how to say it. Like you're not just in another relationship with somebody, they become part of you, you know? And the way that you show up in that relationship affects other people. Nobody can ever make you feel any kind of way, but when it comes to energy dynamics, it can sure motivate you to be kind of different. Totally. Yeah. Triggers. Right. And, and a lot of people don't notice their triggers. So I think just something worth considering is if you're new to the, the language that we're using of masculine and feminine dynamics, like try to notice what, what triggers you to retreat inward, to go into self-sabotage or self-soothing things along those lines to just start to try to identify like what it is that's actually going on. And so now I'd love to, Marcus, I'll move to you and then we'll go to Angelo. Like as a men's coach, as someone that works with men, you know, what is it that you find? How is it that you coach? How, how do you coach somebody to showing up in this masculine way, like in this stable way, in a way that's not... Um, you know, so that, that, so that people are actually able to play that role in their relationship. Well, I'd like to actually split that question. I'll let Angela answer the second half to that because that's where he really spends the, he applies the most energy in our in ecosystem there. Um, but what I would like to say to this whole thing is that overall, we tend to see, when we're talking about these energy dynamics that you guys just spoke about, it is all over the board. And when people show up at our doorstep, it's usually because they're completely off balance, them, not only themselves, but you're also, like you said, Jessica, when you're in a marriage, you, you're very involved with each other. There's a lot of energy shifting going back and forth. And if you are with someone who is also totally off kilter, it becomes incredibly challenging for someone if you are not getting help with this, if you're not actively working on this it just becomes a full on dumpster fire because neither one is in their masculine or feminine in a, in a, in a, in a healthy way. And so you've got you know, is all over the map and she is, you know, she's struggling in her own space. You've got the man who's struggling with his own space. And it's just this mirroring of just unhealthy patterns and behaviors and feelings it can be really challenging to stabilize that on your own. And I think that is why what we do is becoming more and more sought after because a lot of people are realizing like, I can read all the self-help books by myself. I can listen to all the podcasts, but when it comes into actually making the changes happen, I need some help because I can't, I can't put two and two together. I can't read the label from inside the jar. And I think people are starting to recognize that. Totally. What was the second part of that question? That you were going to ask how do we correct it? Yeah. How do we correct it? So I'll, I'll put it to Angelo for that. I give it to him just like I got it, Rick. I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> a couple good, couple good cracks. No, they figure out. No, in, in, an honest, in an honest way, it's what I really look at when, when someone joins our program is understanding where they're starting. And what I mean by where they're starting is, is what dominant frequency are they giving me? If they come to the program and they come rather accepting, soft, you know, just for, for the saying soft, not very much action taking, I challenge them 
to something right away just to see their reaction. I spar with them, if you will. And so what I do is, is if you come and you're more feminine energy, I give you a bigger shot than you're expecting right out of the gate, just to bring you to present time. No different than when some people swear or anything like that. Anything that I could find to get you to that I'm present now, because oftentimes the feminine challenge, energy challenges is where are they? Here. But if I shake you a little, shake your tree and shake your rhythm, it gets you present. Then from there, I calm down, calm you down because you're probably even a bit more chaotic that you're in the room and I give you grace. I slow down your voice. I help you see gratitude for these points that you're at. I play the affirmer, the female affirmer, the Adrian. Then we support you with that masculine and then nine times out of 10, you know what to do. If someone comes in their masculine energy dominant, I take them for a manicure, if you will. I throw them completely off the other way. I go, come on, we're going to go train today. And we show up for a massage and sauna. Like I shift them that way because I would like to see how their nervous system reacts to this opposite energy first. And then I walk them the other way because that first reaction lets me understand what their childhood development was like when it came to stress and what they've adopted as a stress response. The feminine dominant energy usually is a freezer and then they deny the masculine also may freeze for a second, but then they charge. And so what I try to do is go, okay, here, here, from the tone of voice, from the speed of my inflection, from the time I give deadlines. You come to my program, you're a masculine dominant, dominant person. I pretend that you're a big fish and I let you run with the line. You're a feminine dominant person. I'm pulling at the line every 10 seconds just to throw you off balance and keep you present. I let one play, one staying at the stand attention. And so it's a very, it's a dance, bro. And the one thing that I love about what we do and all of us to, to degree on this call is we are the few people in this industry that I will bet anything on that really understand how to take people from both sides. And what most people fancy themselves doing is they are a one-dimensional coach and expert, and that's why they only give people their own trauma passed down. Because we're not looking to make you one way. We're looking to make you more divine. And that's not up to us what that looks like. Yes? Totally. Love that. Um, something that you mentioned there that I think is really 
worth contemplating whether, you know, you're going to work with somebody or not. Um, this idea of like retreating into perpetual fantasy, you talked about, um, being in the, in the feminine as, as I know people couldn't see it, but existing primarily in the cognitive space and in your head. And I think that's a really good sign that you're, you are retreating into some sort of wounded feminine. Like if you, if you, the inability to stay present, that's been like one of my deepest wounds my entire life. Um, so just something worth mentioning there. Really well said. Um, okay, great. So to, I want to end this thing. I want to move into culture a little bit and talk about the role and the struggle of men in culture. I, I don't know. I think there's a, you know, there's the pendulum goes back and forth. Yeah. Angela. Please forgive me before you move on, my good friend. Jessica, yeah. it, it looked like, and you wanted to say something after I said something before Rick talked. Is that, am I, was I imagining that? No, you weren't, but this is going to be weird because it was just a compliment to you. Oh, um, then, then, then you can move on. I'm sorry. Center attacks. I, 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 I love You're it. Yeah, in I compliments. Mean, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. No, I didn't know that. I thought you wanted to say something about what I said. Please. Uh, yes, don't please. Don't get me wrong. Tell me with it, but but please move on. You're cool to move on. I love you. No, no, I want to say now. Jessica, it looked like you had a compliment for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what she was gonna say. She was she was leaning in, guys. Watch this later for body language. Okay. I will. I will make this weird. Well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. So we'll move into culture now. Right. Um. You know. Let's talk about the Me Too movement first. Let's, I, I just feel like it's something that we have to talk about because I think it's something that has like, it's tilted the narrative in our culture about like the role of men and like how men show up and what it means to be a man. And I think that in some sense, it just became so prevalent that like you just start to have to ask yourself, like, I, I think a lot of men are, are like, they're really hesitant to step into being a man now. And that's kind of why I, that's what I took from that Me Too movement. It seems to me, the symbolism of it aside, it seems to me that it's created a lot of hesitancy in men to step into their, into their masculine and into the role that they feel called to. I just love to hear um, from you guys, how you perceive that movement and, and how you perceive the fallout of it. I'll kick this off if you guys don't mind. Yeah. So admittedly, I'm not really well-read or well-listened to um, pop culture. And I even hesitate to say that the Me Too movement is a pop culture thing, but it is something that's trending. And the definition of what it is is very like fluid and it's changing. You know, it started a couple years ago and it pops up in different countries in different ways. Um, I, in preparation for this, because I knew that we were going to talk about this, I looked up what is the Me Too movement. And I went through tons of YouTube videos and articles and everything felt so heavy and polarized. And obviously it's a difficult topic. So I'm not expecting anything different, but I landed on parents explaining the Me Too movement to kids. And that's usually what I will default to if I really wanna understand something beyond the politics of it. It's like, how am I going to explain this to a child? Mm -hmm. And um, I cried during it. It was like really emotional, really cute. I think it was really well done. Um, but what I want to say about this 
is, and my heart is beating because I just know like this is an important topic for a lot of people. When you are a part of a movement, that's important, which is we just want everybody to be okay with being themselves. We want little girls and women to be okay with saying, for sticking up for themselves if they find themselves in uncomfortable situations. And we want little boys and men to feel okay with having urges to do things and exploring and, and learning what no means, you know, and, and making mistakes. Um, and I feel like when you are a part of a movement and you want to say something about it, just contemplate what is the intention of what you're saying? Is the intention of what you're putting out there to help other women feel supported? That's one type of messaging, right? Is what you're putting out there to um, make people feel bad about themselves? Okay, like that's a, a form of expression and that's okay too, but just know what you're doing. Is your form of communication, is the intention to help little boys learn something about themselves and learn about, you know, their urges or learn about how drinking can be really dangerous and shuts off parts of your brain, you know, that may help you feel more aware of your surroundings and what you're doing and your compassion towards other people. Um, then be aware that your intention is education. But I think like the major issue with communication just in general and media and like social media, mass media and social media is like people get they're not sure why they're saying something. So they just say something, you know, and our words matter. We've all taken courses in language. I know everybody in this room like takes the words that they say very seriously. And so, yeah, that's, that would just be like one of the things that I'd like to say about the Me Too movement is, or any movement that's important or like, oh, so many things to say. <laughs> important or political or like educational or like a milestone in our era, just know why you're saying something, you know, have, be in a good place before you say something because shaming people does not change minds. You know, I think the biggest reason why a lot of people um, are struggling with the Me Too movement on one side or the other is that, and this goes for any situation, it's just insensitivity is a lack of empathy is a lack of like being in the other person's shoes. Yeah. I think that's literally on all sides of political spectrum, all sides of gender, like that inability to, yeah, to empathize, to see yourself in somebody else's shoes. You know, there's a idea in these Celtic cultures that an uninitiated man hangs a sword over everybody's throat because if you don't know how to suffer if you don't know what it feels like to suffer you don't have the ability to empathize you don't understand the pain that you're causing other people and i think in some regard like what we're seeing in this is that we just had millions of uninitiated men like boys that grew into men and are un unaware of the pain that they cause people and then you know then you see the reaction and and so yeah it's on all sides i think um yeah really well said we'll kick it over to marcus so i will preface my little speech here with something very similar to how jessica did in that this is not really something that i put all that much time and energy into researching and i really just saw what was out on the main channels regarding this. Um, 
so my position is going to be kind of from the outside in, if you will. You know, I think that I understand the the intention behind where this is coming from and people, you know, women being able to speak up and to stand up for themselves. And that's extraordinarily important and not being a victim. And then for the boys, like Jessica said as well, teaching them that it's, you know, it's okay to explore, but no means no and all that. Like, I, I completely agree with you on that front, Jessica. And, you know, to me, this movement really was, was pretty murky. It, it, was, it was a pretty ugly execution, I would say, from the outside looking in, because I think it was, there were really important things that were, that were highlighted and put, put a spotlight on for the first time in a big way. And people got called out. Um, some people who needed to be called out got called out. But I think, I think the side effects of it were actually more damaging than beneficial. Because I know talking to men that, and even for myself, and I'm, I'm a married man, I'm not out on the hunt at all. Yet the, the unease that I even felt, even though I'm not doing anything, just that it was like everyone, it's all, all men are a target or not, not a target per se, but we're all under this like magnifying glass that is totally skewed. And if you catch it at the wrong angle, everything that everyone ever did, you're in trouble. And I think it's really unfortunate because I think it really scared a lot of men out of that, that, that natural state of exploration and, you know, being adventurous and, and pursuing women because they're now quite gun shy that every single thing could be turned around on them, right? Where, for example, someone, I forget who it was, I think it was a, a comedian or someone who he, he went on a date with someone and they had consensual relations and everything was seemingly fine. And then a long time later, she's like, well, actually I just went along with it. I didn't really feel like it. And he's like, but I wasn't even forceful. I didn't even do anything. Like you totally were initiating and, and doing things. And she's like, yeah, but I, I just wasn't into it. So you're dead. And it's like, that's the, that's the murky part of it where it's like, that's, that's not what this was about, at least not to me from my standpoint. And obviously I'm not a woman. I haven't been involved in those situations. So I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, but that's to me where it started to get weird and it started to become quite unfortunate. And because what I heard many, many times from people who were good, good men saying, you know, like this is, this really scares me away from wanting to date and put myself out there and, and go because who knows what's going to happen. This is going to get turned around on me, whether it's next year or next decade. And I think that, that that's very unfortunate. I think that was an unfortunate side effect that really stood out to me from this. I think that there were some important lessons in this, yet in my from my perspective, it actually did more harm than good. In, in addressing the problem, because I think there's there's a lot of good people out there who are now gun shy and are not going to live fully and put themselves out there because of this. Yeah, it's interesting how, um, you know, a few a few bad actors can like really screw up like really good intentions, you know, literally really, actors, most of them. Yeah, yeah, right. Literally actors. I think too, there's like, um, you know, just as both of you were talking about this idea of like ex exploration of self, like there's another dynamic that's like even beyond masculine feminine here that is like a sexual repression in the Western culture. And, you know, I think back to spent a lot of time last summer reading Greek and in Greek, it, they had five separate 
words for love. Most people know that. But the point of having nuanced love is like what we've done in the Western culture is because we've repressed a certain kind of love, the Eros love, it, you know, something happens psychologically when you repress something, you end up putting it at the top of your hierarchy. And so then we've got all of these people that are sort of serving this sort of sexual intimate love as if it's the highest expression of love. And it's like truthfully, probably third or fourth, you know, it's like an outflowing of like what real love actually is. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that this idea and like you mentioned jessica this idea of explaining it to kids i think that that's one way that you know in a lot of ways the culture we've created the the dragon we're fighting because of the way in which we've talked to kids about these like really important issues over the years so that just came to mind um angelo this is wow so potent in order for a movement to move both sides and to take responsibility. Sure. Both sides are victims, both sides are responsible, and then we can move. Till we both do that, no one's holding, it's like trying to move a couch. How can we move the couch if one side isn't picking up the side of the couch? Right? It's not that the couch may be too heavy. It's not that the couch can't be moved. But if only one person's moving the couch, they can't move it. Because only one party's taking responsibility for it. And this is also true, guys. Like, we must develop some empathy for the men out there when it comes to sexuality. So let's take a look at this idea of what the Me Too movement has been as far as men taking advantage of women. Pornography, especially with the internet, has literally transformed what we believe is a good is sex to a Me Too movement nightmare. What do we believe as men? One, you go on a site, sex is on demand. Two, you watch a porno, you understand a certain way to treat women. And here's number three. I learned this the other day. Because pornography has moved to the internet, the idea of having novelty partners and multiple partners and being able to skip romance Right, this who are we programming this next generation of people to be through through this one dynamic, which is such a formidable part of how many boys lies. I mean, come on. So much, I mean, yeah. And so we're running around with a program that we firmly believe that we should have multiple partners. We should be able to disrespect them and that they love facials. I said that for a joke, but you guys get what I'm saying. Like, this is what we're taught. And yeah. this is what we're applauded for. This is what our dads knew as sex education. This is what they knew as, but we have it in such a different way because of the internet. Right? Like your dad probably stole his one dad's friend's Playboy and ripped out one picture. And that was all, that was his bank. 
Now you get on the phone, you're going here, you're scrolling through here. It created such a, a, a distorted part for boys to develop and mature sexually, like you mentioned, Rick. And so there's no responsibility. And also, too, let's really take a look at what men, including myself for a number of years, believed was sex, believed was mating. Totally. I didn't think I was wrong. How's that? You know why? Because I was applauded for it internally and externally. Or first externally and then obviously internally because that's what was cool. Yeah, it does turn it into this one-sided dynamic, 100%. And that's, that's my take on this. Let's both admit we were wrong. Let's both admit that none of us are toxic. We're underdeveloped. Let's both of us agree that we don't want to hurt each other. Let's both agree that we want to be better. And then we could make something, we could grab both under the couch and carry it in the house. Totally. Yeah, really well said. I, you know, this is why I think these conversations are important and why I appreciate y'all being here so much because you know, when you look at something like, like porn, for example, as you mentioned, you know, it just, it's, it is, it's valueless. It is what it is, right? We all assign values to things and you see that like, there's a reaction, it, you know, it becomes political. And so then conservative people are like, oh no, we have to actually repress this thing. And it's like, we're not having nuanced conversations about what it actually is so that we can learn how to pick up our end of the couch, right? Instead, we're demonizing or rejecting or repressing or whatever. And so like having more complicated discussions about what these phenomena are be really important. Uh, Jessica? I think that sexual assault, sexual abuse is a byproduct, a byproduct of stress. Watching too much porn is a byproduct of stress. And so if we look at why all these things are an issue in what women are bringing to the table in the Me Too movement, is because they were too stressed out to say something, like in that example that Marcus was talking about, if, if that's accurate, you know, like allegedly, right? Or men are too boys are too limbically hot. So like the thing that separates us from dogs is our prefrontal cortex. It's like the giant part of our brain that helps us make like wise decisions. And um, often I will think about men when my male um, intact dog, like he's not fixed, is like humping everything, you know? He doesn't care about anything. He has zero awareness. He just needs to hump something. And it brings to mind like what alcohol and prolonged stress can do for you. You know, it brings you into your limbic system. It brings you into a place where you're not thinking straight. It brings you into a place of acting animalistically. And for women, that is repression and suppression and like, don't be too much, just like be cool and you can deal with it later. And for men, it can be that over-aggressiveness. And so I think that the real issue that we should all be working with is like, how can we help young people or like grown men or grown women deal with their stress better? Like to bring the loop back around to take care of yourself and you can make good decisions. That's really it. We made it. We made a full circle back to the beginning. That's how we know a podcast went there. Um, I really appreciate you guys. I want to give you 30 seconds each here at the end. Um, if there's anything that you want to add or anything that we, we didn't talk about that you think is important in terms of the modern man's struggle, 
Um, Angela, we'll start with you. First and foremost, guys, I've known each of you for periods of time, and I couldn't be more grateful that to have watched all of you and, and be around you guys right now, then and now even more. And uh, it's beautiful to have these discussions. And I look forward to having more of them with you and anyone else that would like to bring these things to light. Because like I said, the responsibility is so important. I want to be better and I want to continue to support anyone that wants to be a part of these conversations. So thank you all. And I love you guys all for being on this show. Appreciate you. Marcus? Rick, I want to say thank you for putting this together. I also thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And um, I trust that anyone listening to this is going to walk away with something to chew on one way or the other, regardless of where they are. And I do have one more thing I'd like to say is that I think that addressing this challenge that we're, we're facing on a bigger scale here is so incredibly important and not just for us and the quality of our lives and our relationships, but what is happening right now, what has happened over these last many years and what I, where I see it leading is a really unfortunate place for our kids to grow up in where this is so distorted. And I think that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, well, what, what difference does it make? You know, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to get to work on it or it might be too hard or where do I start? I encourage you dig in because this isn't just about you. This is about, you know, that, that stable masculine, that divine masculine has so much light, so much power within your communities and your circles, not just your family, but all around you. you. If you're a coach, if you're an employer, it doesn't matter. You are, you're spreading the love. You are, you are helping stabilize the earth by doing so. And I think that this is a, a very, very important talk. So Rick, thank you for putting this together and putting this out there because I, I, I hope there are more people who are inspired to talk about this and share this and have these discussions on all the channels out there because I do find it to be so incredibly important. Totally. There is more than you to consider. I love that. Uh, Jessica. Oh, thanks so much for saying that, Marcus and Ange. So good. Uh, the only thing that I want to say is men be gentle on yourselves and cultivate pauses. Remember to appreciate the life force that you have. Appreciate that warrior side that you have, that passion, that angst that you might have and direct it towards a fight worth fighting for. Yeah, absolutely love that. Guys, I really can't thank you enough. I appreciate you for taking the time. I know we went a bit long, um, but thank you. <laughs>